Ciao everybody and welcome to Data Driven Talk, the podcast about data and data storage. I'm your host Enrico Signoretti and today we will talk about data protection and data management in the cloud. My guest for this episode is Dave Packer, VP of Product at Druva. Yeah. Great to meet you. Glad to be here today. Thank you very much, Dave. Most of the backup vendors, in a way or the other, are looking to move their solutions to the cloud. And there are traditional approaches with the traditional backup server, but others like you had a different approach since the beginning, right? Right, right. Okay. Yeah. And another trend that is pretty common mm-hmm. and coming from a, just from an event uh, from a traditional backup vendor mm-hmm. is to add data management on top of uh, backup products. Right. Okay. Just because you collect everything, so at the end of the day, you already had all the data and right. you know you can do something more right. than just protecting it. doesn't make it. sense to let it just sit there. Exactly. <laughs> These guys are doing this move and you have been there um, forever. Mm-hmm. You started with uh, protecting endpoints at the beginning. Right. And I remember the solution was really nice. Maybe at that time was the most advanced solution to do that. Right. First one um, in the cloud too. Yes, right. indeed. Yes. But my goal today is to understand what happened in the last, uh, you know, 12 months mm-hmm. to the solution because I'm not really updated. And after that, it would be nice to get uh, not just the updates on the product, but uh, get a few information about the future. Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things to bring up initially is just the core philosophy of the business, right? Which uh, is why I added in the in the cloud in there, which has been, you know, there, there's two ways to look at the data management or data protection landscape. You can look at it from the on-premises and extending that into the cloud and figuring out how to solve that problem. Or you can look from the advantage of going cloud out, meaning you start building everything in the cloud and then you extend that to on-premises, right? And I think the philosophy of the company has been really the latter, right? Which is uh, cloud is something we embraced early on and we looked at it as this is a new way to do it. So let's build there, even if we're ahead of the market by years, um, which has been the case. Um, let's build there and then figure out the best model to enable it to attach to on-premises environments, right? So that we can move that data. And so, you know, the that's been the philosophy of the company pretty much since 2012, right? Um, and that's uh, why InSync became such a, a popular product because it was very much uh, ingrained in cloud and enabling organizations, no matter how many petabytes of data you might be dealing with, uh, to manage it and, and handle it from a centralized environment in that, in that nature. And, you know, when we look at kind of where we've evolved uh, since we last talked in uh, 2016, um, it's really been a, about extending that bridge, right? And how do we make it now that organizations have really started gaining more momentum and embracing cloud technology, not just endpoints and where you store your data, but SaaS services and SaaS applications, or even running native cloud workloads, right? So moving your production and test environment into the cloud and figuring out what do you need to do there from an overall data management standpoint. And, you know, when you think about where businesses are today, probably the the biggest challenge they face is how do I manage and track all that data? There's just so much of it and it's spread across so many places and 
you know, if I reach back, you know, in my history 10 years ago, it was a lot easier to kind of jump in there, figure out where your data was, because most of it was around the center of the, of the organization, right? Either yes, in the data center or it was on somebody's desktop machine. Remember when everybody had desktops? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, now... Everything was in the local area. Yeah, right. Everything was very localized, right? So, um, you know, if you had a compliance issue, you had a legal issue, you had to go, you know, you had employees leaving and you needed to grab their data just so the business could continue operating, much easier to do that. Now... How do I do that? It's become much more complicated. So, you know, our evolution, especially in the last two years, has been, you know, looking at that, how you capture data as that foundation, but really creating a centralized management point, regardless of where that data resides, SaaS services, on-premises, in the cloud, et cetera, provide a global index to have visibility, provide the resiliency for that data, agility, recoverability, but also visibility into the information so that you can actually start doing more with it. And so um, we have three distinct product services today, sets of services under what we call our Druva Cloud Platform, which is in sync, which is the traditional endpoint uh, product along with SaaS application services like Office 365, Phoenix, which focuses in on data center workloads. So virtual, physical, uh, VMware workloads that are moving to cloud, so VMware on AWS, and then Cloud Ranger, which focuses in on then your native cloud workloads. So uh, that's a you know covers the entirety no, of no, the, yes. the main elements. But so. what is the the average size of your customer or the types of customer that are uh, you know embracing your platform? You know, it's interesting. We um, there's two things about our business that's been interesting. So I've you know, been with the company five years and watching the evolution of it has been, you know, over the last year and a half or so, we've been getting much more large enterprise Fortune 500 customers. Um, historically, it's been more mid-market SMB early on in the business history. So we have a very broad mix. Our largest customer has 10 petabytes of data in the, in under management with us. Um, you know, our smallest ones are, you know, small, you know, 10, 20 person companies, but it tends to be that today um, we have about 10% of the Fortune 500. Uh, we have three of the Fortune 10 as customers today. Uh, and that represents, a, you know, very large volumes of data. We have over 100 petabytes under management today. So that's a, you know, huge volume of data that we're helping customers manage. So you are telling anyway that yes, you have very large customer, but also right. uh, many many smaller customers. Right. Okay, and you know that's that's the beauty of SaaS, right? Which is it makes it it's like the democracy of applications, right? Uh, whereas you know when you think about something as simple, uh, well not simple, but think of something like disaster recovery, right? There's an area where you know it was only available to the largest companies for the longest period of time. But then SaaS came, comes around and makes it much more available, accessible, more inexpensive, um, and therefore it's more embraceable by a broader range of, uh, of constituents. So you can, your small company, you can still leverage disaster recovery in the cloud. So that's a, kind of the beauty of SaaS and what cloud brings to the table. So what do this customer report, I mean, they buy your story, okay, because mm -hmm. they, they become customers, so they like the idea, but yep. after, Sometimes, okay, 
uh, after some time of production. Mm -hmm. So what do they report? Why they like your solution? Why they are continuing to buy it? Because yeah. it's a SaaS, so they can't just turn it off. Right. Know? Well, I think you know what we find is that um, you know we've taken this philosophy that it's not just about backing up your data. It's about what you do with it after that, right? Um, and I think you know when we look at our largest customers, the reason they keep growing in our as our as customers is because the fact that we can help them with compliance alignment, right? So things like GDPR or HIPAA or whatever it is, depending on where you are in the world, how do you align better to that? Protect the data, make sure that you know the right privacy rules are in place, et cetera, on the way that we we're handling the information. Or if you have, for example, a legal situation, how do I get my hands around that data quickly? Um, a lot of those processes are very complicated in businesses. They take a lot of IT resource time or they have to outsource it and it's expensive and but ultimately it takes too much time. Uh, we provide a way to help them get to the data quicker, be able to access it and quite honestly it's much more cost efficient than spinning up more data centers or you know provisioning more systems and more hardware etc and managing that. The fact that I can provision on the fly, let's say Real quick example, let's say um, I acquire another company. How do I incorporate their data into my you know, organization the fast as, as fast as possible once that acquisition is complete? Um, really hard to deal with on-premises systems, usually dealing with trying to normalize that over the next year. SaaS, in our environment, we just go ahead and push the agent out and start pulling the data into our system. So a lot cleaner, a lot more effective for businesses. Okay, flexibility and TCO at the end exactly. of the day. Exactly. That's agility at the yeah. end of the day, right? Um, so that, and I think that's what keeps bringing people back. Mm -hmm. And the, the other thing is that we keep pushing the curve on innovation, you know, the, the envelope, which is, you know, SaaS applications covered, things we do to help you manage that data, places we're going with that as well to be more effective for companies. So you mentioned like a couple of things like GDPR, okay, mm -hmm. so we enter in a, I'm European and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for us GDPR was uh, a massive right. thing uh, yes. this year, but, uh, and you provide a SaaS application, mm -hmm. so for Europeans it's important to know everything, you know, mm -hmm. uh, how do you manage encryption, where my data is, how can I be sure that you are using European AWS uh, data centers, for example? Right. So we provide a way for companies to control where their data is stored, right? Which is, you know, if I have a thousand employees in the EU and I want to make sure that they're backed up to Frankfurt or whatever is the EU, you know, uh, data center I want to utilize, um, we provide that, we provision that for the customer and they map their data to that particular data center. We provide 14 different data centers around the globe um, through AWS. Um, customers uh, have that mapping, they do themselves. We have no control over where they store their data, they store it where they want it. And we also, uh, uh, we also um, provide a way for businesses to then um, delegate administration and privacy controls within that region. So say you're a global organization Businesses can manage locally the, the EU information that they're, they're actually collecting, store it regionally. And then the encryption model we use is very unique. Um, we basically shard all the data and encrypt it and then store unique blocks. So uh, without going down a 
long trail mm -hmm. of how that works. Um, the advantage is, is that we have no access to that data. So we can't reset passwords. We can't do all sorts of things that you would expect out of a normal system that has some access to some of that information. Um, and it's one of the reasons that we are the only um, FedRAMP uh, ATO product inside of AWS GovCloud is because of the way that we store, encrypt, and manage data. So it's a very unique. Um, you won't find another vendor that does the same thing we do within uh, GovCloud. Yeah, I saw uh, in your customer list a few very large uh, defense yeah. contractors. Right, so right. And that's the same, re same philosophy we take to all the data centers around the globe. So uh, what we do in GovCloud isn't unique to how we actually do it in other places. Yeah, very nice. But what happens if I have a multi-cloud strategy? So if you're a customer that's, um, let's say you're on Azure or you're on GCP um, and you're running instances, you can uh, basically run our agents within those instances that are on, on top of those platforms. Uh, and the difference is, is that that data will be backed up into AWS or stored within AWS for, for a recovery standpoint. You can replicate across regions um, and it's very easy to move that data back. Uh, longer term, uh, we look at obviously as those platforms continue to evolve, how to support kind of some of the native, um, uh, like for example, you know the the equivalent to EC2 is you know uh, Azure Compute, right, or blocks uh, blob storage inside of Azure. Um, looking at how do you natively support those as well. Um, in the near term, though, uh, most of the native cloud storage models we're using are within AWS. So that's through cloud range. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I'm buying a SaaS application. Right. Theoretically, I do not care exactly. your backend. Right. I just want to know that you if know I that have instances uh, all yes. around, I can you yeah. know, uh, get my data exactly. protected without you know, having different solutions from different vendors. Exactly. Right. And so we, yeah, and, and as you mentioned, you know, SaaS, the, whole, the beauty of SaaS is to make that transparent, right? You don't want to think about the plumbing. You just want to make sure that you get it done at the end of the day, right? Uh, and that's, a, you know, one of the things I think, you know, early on in the conversation, you asked why customers come back. It's because we remove that plumbing from the equation, right? They don't have to think about it. They don't, you know, how to connect A to B to C. It's not, not there anymore for them. We basically just say, what is it you're trying to accomplish? This is how you do it. Very simple, straightforward. Nice. So you have uh, in your cloud uh, data platform different uh, products. I suppose different licensing, or uh, do you manage everything with a single, you know, capacity license, capacity-based license? Yeah. So today it's it's licensed differently just because the models are different in the way that people expect how to uh, basically uh, be charged for how they manage their data, right? If I'm working uh, you know, with, uh, uh, with uh, data center workloads, you know, uh, it's based on capacity, right? So it's how much data. Um, ultimately, in the day, it's the footprint because of the way that we manage it, it's very compressed. So they only pay for that highly compressed, deduplicated data uh, on the back end, which makes us actually uh, comparatively to an on-premise system, about 60% less. Uh, we have customers in case studies uh, of customers that uh, pretty consistently state that. Um, for um, end user data, it's a different model because it's really based on the number of end users. Um, you know, if you have 
50 end users or you have 100,000 end users, and we have a couple customers now with over 100,000 users, um, you know, that's a, um, you're going to base that on number of users. Um, and then Cloud Ranger, you know, the services about cloud workloads, very similar to on-premises workloads. It's basically how many uh, workloads and how much uh, capacity you're using. So those are really there's either capacity or users today. Um, we actually are looking at normalizing that in the next year. Um, we're going through a pretty um, big project right now to just try to figure out what are the best models and more efficiently. Ultimately, at the end of the day, as a customer, you just want to know how much it is, right? No, and, now, yes. and now that we've created the platform and we're um, modularizing the whole system, we want to make that as simple as possible for customers. Yes, this is something that everybody has. Uh, right. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Simple licensing uh, yeah. helps. Yes. Do you have uh, some sort of free trials? Or yes. Yeah, you can go directly to our website and very easy, one click, uh, fill out a form and you pretty much get set up and can start using it. It's really nice about, again, SaaS again, is the fact that you, you know access to it is pretty much immediate, right? Um, you can also access it over AWS Marketplace. Um, so if you don't even want to talk to Drew, you just want to go and yeah, you know okay. you have direct access. It's available. Over ah, so AWS. you have all the options. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. And uh, what about the future then? Yeah. So I mean, I think you know I, I, I use you know past tense as future tense, right? Um, I think out of us, you're going to see a lot more investment in how do you really unlock the value of data, right? Um, like you said, as, as the premise early on, you know, we're collecting information from a lot of different sources. Um, we've seen it already add a lot of value to our customers and create great stickiness for what we do because of the fact that we can solve real challenges around compliance and legal and all this. And I think where you know we're going is really to look at how do we you know tie that together so that you have a better understanding of the risks of your data so you can mitigate them, but also create more value in being able to find what you're looking for. I, I, I always say to people that, you know, when you have a few gigabytes or a terabyte, it's easier to find what you're looking for. When you have a petabyte and more and more, and more companies are holding a petabyte or more nowadays, um, you know, it's a lot harder to like, oh, where is, you know, that file or that risk in my business or you know I, I don't know what's on your machine versus what's on somebody else's machine and um, you know th that's a real problem especially when you start talking about ransomware and all the threats to a business yeah. and it's you know that surface is spread so broadly now how do you help a business be more agile in dealing with a couple petabytes of data and understanding where those challenges are and being able to keep on top of it you can't expect it to be done manually it's just too expensive. No, no. So we are talking more to bring more data discovery, indexing, searching, kind right. of capabilities. Yeah, and there's some technologies uh, you know, we are investing in on the machine learning side as well um, to help. Uh, you know, it, it exists in one component today, which we call um, a proactive compliance, which helps uh, the business uh, helps the business scour data uh, as it's being backed up to find anomalies uh, in that. Uh, but we look at extending that even further uh, to uh, you know make it much more provide a little bit more predictive analysis. This could be really nice. Yeah, so you know, it really creates a lot of value. And you know, I, I'd say that you know a lot of people wonder you know like, well, how is this so much different than? company X or company Y. And I'd say, you know, one of the 
key differentiators of our business and you know not, without going into the technical detail is the fact that our founders when they created Juva they looked at the way backup was done and they broke apart the old model right which is really based on tar archives I mean pretty much everybody's still using the historical model of you create an archive and you create a differential and etc but we created was a completely new file system Right. Even if you look at what we build on AWS, we're not just dumping your data into S3. We basically created a whole storage layer on top of AWS that manages, like a file system, all that data. So we can, in near real time, access data from a year ago. We can index it. We can help you search it. We can help you drive down into individual files. So we have this ability, along with this master metadata index, across all that data to be able to help you search, find, locate, and utilize that information much more effectively. Uh, and that's when you start talking about machine learning. Um, we don't have to crack apart each archive. We can basically just apply it to the data that set that's there. Yeah, sounds really interesting. Um, so last but not least, uh, if our listeners want to know more about Druva, how can they you know, find you on the web, on uh, sure. social networks. Yeah, so, you know, we, we uh, obviously you can go to juva.com. Uh, you can also go to YouTube and search on Juva, and you can find a ton of content about what we do and how we do it and why it's fundamentally a different way to approach this problem. Like I said early on, you know, we're really about cloud out and extending that to the, you know, on-premises world versus the inverse of that, which you'll find from a lot of, you know, competing vendors. Um, you know, and, you know, we have Twitter, we also, you know, we're, we're pretty much on all the social media outlets, but, you know, I think, uh, you know, if you go to any of the big conferences, you'll find us there as well. So, you know, whether it's AWS's reInvent or, you know, VMworld or whatever, uh, really covering all the main areas. So if you want to learn more about us, you can meet us in person or go to our website, like I said, at juva.com to learn more as well. Great. Thank you again, uh, Dave, for, uh, for your time today. Oh, sure. Much appreciated. Yeah, enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Data Driven Talk. If you like this episode, you can find more on anchor.fm slash data driven talk or by searching Data Driven Talk on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. And please consider to give five stars to Data Driven Talk on iTunes or leave a positive comment. You can also find me on Twitter, Asignoretti, or read my blog, juke.it, for comments and updates on the data storage industry. Ciao, ciao!